0: Hour number three of EQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Coming up a little later in the program, we've got the two-minute drill where we're going to talk a lot of college basketball and golf and pretty much any sport that we haven't gotten to up to this point. But joining us now to talk a little NBA is Rick Camp from 444 Bet Spurts. Please make sure to follow him on x at Rick C. Camp. Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Well, when we're talking about the Phoenix Suns, that was an impressive fourth-quarter comeback win against the Sacramento Kings. They have the third shortest odds right now to win the Western Conference at BetMGM at plus 650. Have they shown you enough for you to believe that they can make it to the NBA Finals?
1: I still think they need to get considerably better on defense to be able to make it to the Finals. I'm still very much in the camp that Denver is on a separate tier compared to everybody else when you get to the playoffs. Can the Clippers get there? I think it's possible. I think they're, at at this moment in time, the most likely to be able to challenge Denver. But I really think we're kind of doing the thing again where, you know, Denver just not being the glamour market and the fact that, you know, Joker is who he is and that Denver is still winning plenty, staying in those top three seeds, which is probably pretty important for them to stay out of a four or five Uh, matchup and, and, you know, avoid whoever's going to be the one seed, especially if it ends up being Minnesota just because of how that series went last year, but I really think it's still Denver in the West right now, and that game was really the perfect encapsulation of the Suns of they have the ability to get down by that much to almost anybody, but they also have that much firepower to be able to come back that quickly. Mm Mm-hmm. Now that we're approaching the midway um, part of the season, what's your assessment in the MVP market? We saw Jokic and Embiid go up against each other last night. Do you have any interest in that market right now? Last week, I, I believe it was last week, the last day that Shea was still around uh, plus 400, That's when I that, that was the first uh, dip in that market that I have. Now that Embiid's odds have gone down as much as they have, I'm almost considering a bet on Jokic now that he's back at, at plus 250, but I, I just, I don't know that I can trust Embiid at this much. His odds going down that much based off of one game when, I mean, obviously everybody knows, okay, he can only miss seven more games uh, the rest of this season, which, you know, he can have every intention of not resting as many back-to-backs like you showed in this instance, but just his margin for error for any little injury that he could pick up and with, as much as he falls and even as durable as he has been the last couple of years, when the odds are this short, there's no way that I want to get involved with Joel Embiid at MVP right now. If he gets back a little bit more, like let's say he misses a couple games coming up and that sends his odds back a little bit again. I thought about getting in when it was around eight or nine, but right now I really think that if Embiid is right up against it in terms of games played, and you have Shea sitting there do, being able to consistently do what he does, and he's only missing a couple of games, I wonder if that could be something that ends up being a deciding factor for some people that maybe don't necessarily want to give Embiid uh, MB another MVP.
0: Glad you started that answer talking about SGA, because I'm curious when it comes to, say, His ball handling, for instance. It's unbelievable. The the fact that he just doesn't turn it over, yet his usage rate is really high. The ball's always in his hands. He's a point guard after all. A lot of really impressive things he's done for this first half of the season. But I'm curious when it comes to, say, other ways to bet on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because maybe the number for MVP isn't that good. But if he's still that elite a ball handler, maybe there are other ways to back Oklahoma City, say, when it comes to other futures to think about.
1: Yeah, I was starting to look at what their maybe division price would be, but then looking at the schedules the rest of the year, on dunks and threes, Minnesota has had the toughest schedule so far this season. So even if they may come back down, they have come back down to earth a little bit. I just think they're going to have more wiggle room within their schedule. Like they've so got their two games against Detroit and Washington. They've got some Spurs. They've got three games against the Blazers. So, even though they still have some games against the top competition left, they have a lot of their games against the dregs of the league. Like there's looking at the standings, there's that clear set of tanking. Maybe not started out tanking, but they're going to be tanking teams. And they have plenty of games against them left on their schedule. So I, it, it may still just be Mark Dagnall for coach of the year. I would hope it's not. I got some Ty Lu at 27. I would love for him to, you know, be if, if the Clippers keep improving, maybe leapfrog one of these three teams and get into those top three seeds that Ty Lue would really get an opportunity. But I think that's the best mm-hmm. chance. I've seen a little bit of chatter about Chet for Defensive Player of the Year. And one thing I want to say about that is the Defensive Player of the Year comes from a top two or three defense. Like going back to the last, I think, dozen years, and I was just using Cleaning the Glass' defensive rating filter, the last dozen years like going back to everybody's even been in the top five going back to i think marcus can when he got it i don't think oklahoma city's defense can get that high just because of how horrid they are on the boards that's one thing that just with their personnel they're willing to give up and they kind of have to give up but the thing is those second chance opportunities just come back to bite them so often to where i don't think they can be that level of elite defense To where that would get Chet right there. I still think that is, it's Rudy Gobert, the odds are right. If anything, Gobert should maybe be a little bit more of a favorite at this point, Mm -hmm. but I think right now it's either Shea MVP or Mark Dagnall for coach of the year, which really there's not a ton of value left on at this moment.
0: It's crazy how Rudy Gobert has just had that market locked up. He fell off last year, but it's like, he's back. It's Rudy
1: Gobert again. I want to ask you about tonight's NBA slate. We got a massive 10-game slate. I want to open it up to you. Where are you looking betting-wise? The first thing I bet last night was the Charlotte-New Orleans under. It was 230-and-a-half, but I would bet that down to 228-and-a-half. Uh, Charlotte's offense has been absolutely future I know LaMelo ball is back but even in his first two games back like they haven't scored 100 points they haven't scored more than their team total I believe is like 108 and a half and it they've only gone over that in regulation once this since the calendar turned to 2024 so and you think of them as a fast-paced team they haven't been and even in these couple games With Lamelo, they haven't been this top-five-pace breakneck team. And New Orleans has been a fantastic defense as of late. And they've been playing one of the slowest paces in the league. They're also in their first game coming back home after a long road trip. So they could be, you know, they could just be lacking in efficiency a little bit. So that's one that I really like. It sure seems like Jalen Brunson's going to play. I got that at 4.5, still like minus 5 against Houston. Houston has gotten not as putrid on the road, but they're still not good. 0-6 in their last six on uh, against the spread on the road. So I like the Knicks. And then in the Miami-Toronto game, I've only seen it posted one place, but look for Scotty Barnes' rebounds. I think over 7.5, I'm seeing plus money at the one place that has it posted. The thing is, with no Jakob Pertl, no Christian Coloco, and just no depth up front, Like last game, Jontae Porter started at center, only played a few minutes, and Dennis Schroeder played a ton of minutes. So they're playing small with Siakam and Barnes as the forwards, and Barnes had 13 boards on 16 rebounding chances. So even if that efficiency goes down in this game against Miami, I think he's got every opportunity to go over 7.5, especially if that's at plus money. So at the moment, that's what I've got listed, but there's still plenty of time and plenty of injury stuff to look at for the rest of the slate.
0: We are past the midway point for some teams. The Utah Jazz are above 500 right now. How surprised are you by that? And can they cover the three and a half point spread against the Warriors at home tonight?
1: I'm very surprised just because there's, I mean, you look at the, it seems like you're looking at the roster. It's still kind of an island of misfit toys to an extent, especially in the backcourt, because I think they can cover tonight. For me, that spot is Golden State or pass, just because Utah is playing really well. They are at home. They have that elevation advantage, but I just don't know if I can trust this Utah team to this point against the Warriors. And I know the Warriors are not playing well, but it seems like this is a number for the absolute height of Utah and the bottom of Golden State. So, I'm not touching it, but if I was forced, I would probably take the points with the Warriors. The thing that I worry about for long term with Utah is is Danny Ainge going to want to commit to keeping this team together if he's getting offers that he likes at the deadline. Now, it could just be more ancillary guys like Kelly Olynyk, but if there's a team that needs some scoring punch off the bench, would they make a real offer for Jordan Clarkson? Because, you know, Ainge has kind of proven and he did last year even if the vibes are good, if he gets the right deal, he will make it. So while there's some sexy numbers looking right now for them to either make the playoffs or be part of the play-in, I'm just a little leery still on if I want to play those. Because even though it's been a really great extended stretch for them, the teams behind them could still make moves or could just you know have a little positive regression. And I just wonder if some guys come back to earth for Utah as the rest of the season progresses like they've had a league average schedule so they'll have that moving forward too so i haven't made a move on them but if some if there's an injury to maybe someone else that's in that play-in range then maybe like some of these playoff numbers like in the five to six to one range that might be something to look at I'm glad you brought up the NBA trade deadline, February 8th, one of my favorite times of year.
0: Out of some of these rumors, like who are you expecting to be major players come deadline time?
1: I think the Siakam stuff to Indiana, which has really started percolating this morning, uh, has got legs. Because if you think, even though Indiana's not a team that likes to pay a whole lot, like they're not a team that regularly pays the tax, one thing they love to do is not bottom out. So, Siakam, if you had to describe him as a ceiling raiser or a floor raiser, I think he's definitely a floor raiser. So, if you're telling uh, ownership in Indiana, hey, we can get this guy, we're probably not going to give up too terribly much. We're going to have to pay him, but it's going to really help raise our floor and make sure that we're not outside of the play in or anything like that moving forward. That's probably something that they would sign up for. I don't necessarily think the fit is okay. But if you're also Indiana and being like, this is one of our few opportunities to maybe get a bigger name player, then I could see them doing that. What's interesting is their playoff price has changed dramatically over the last day. Uh, just seeing it go from maybe plus 300 to miss the playoffs to around plus 540. That may be a little extreme just because there's going to be two teams. And mind you, the, the East is very much the eight teams and then the grossness that's going to be whoever gets the nine and ten spots out of Chicago, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Toronto, like those are gross. So maybe it's just those eight teams and they get in and that's very simple. But if you think maybe the bulls out of that team, that group could be frisky and maybe knock out one of those teams in a one game scenario, there might be value on in Indiana or in Orlando to maybe miss the playoffs. So that that's the team that I'm really looking at. It sure seems like Golden State's going to do something. I don't know what it's going to be, if it's going to be a more looking forward Draymond. move or for this year. I I don't think it will be Draymond at this point. I think if they're going to make a, a win now move, it'd probably be packaging some of their bench guys pick that type of thing and just try and make a move on the edges or it's Wiggins like Wiggins has been mm-hmm. a disappointment. Who knows what exactly you get for him, but maybe it's, you know, underperforming guy for underperforming guy and hope a change of scenery helps out. They have to do something, and it sure seems like the Lakers are going to do something. I don't know that they really have enough to get DeJounte Murray. I would think Murray would go for more than what the Lakers could offer. So maybe if you look at that and think, well, I don't think they can, I don't think the Lakers can get the type of guy that they are hoping for if it's Zach Levine and you don't think Zach Levine would make that much of a difference considering what would be going out then maybe it's a time to fade the Lakers a little bit in terms of either playoff odds or just anything more down the road. Because I just don't know that with the limited resources they have, they could realistically get a guy like DeJounte Murray. Really What, quick. what about he... Trey Young? Sorry, Ed. Uh, Trey Young, anywhere. do you
0: expect? He's, okay. not, he's
1: not. No, he's not going anywhere. Like Atlanta needs – like Atlanta's a market where they care about the show. And he's a guy that makes them relevant. That is the show down there. So I think there to be Murray going before
0: Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 15 seconds left here. I know we've kind of been around this idea that Toronto will be sellers. And sometimes they're a little slower than leave something to be desired. Uh, at the same time, like we're not believing an auto fades around here, but do you think that Toronto will be say looking ahead and maybe there's some opportunities to fade them in some ways before say some massive trade happens?
1: Yeah, I think really a way to, to play them, and I think the market's starting to catch up to it, overs, overs in their games, their defense, mm. especially since that deal, 27. So they have turned into a real over team that's starting to push the pace a little bit. So, you know, start thinking of them maybe sim- in the similar realm to maybe not quite Washington or Indiana or Atlanta, but they're kind of adjacent to that with how they've been playing defensively
0: good stuff. Rick Camp from 4 for 4 and BetSpurts, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, a multi-sport universe of betting that can only be explained through the two-minute drill. That's coming up on the BetQL Network.